Welcome to another episode of the Sports Mecca Podcast with my colleague Adam Dice. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. Today, we're speaking with former Oregon Ducks wide receiver and current Nike apparel graphic designer, Daryl Hawkins. Daryl, thank you so much for for coming on. Adam and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to us. No doubt, I appreciate it. Adam and I, we've had a few Oregon players from the past couple of years come on. Dwayne Stanford, I think a year and a half ago, and then right before Oregon season started, uh, I think in September, we had Rodney Hardrick on. Players from kind of the same era. You're a little bit older than those guys. Man, I mean, you. I know you got a lot of, uh, a lot of stories, but I think we'll just kind of start off with kind of what you're doing now. You've been working with Nike uh, as an apparel graphic designer, correct, for the past three or four years? Yeah, that's been a very fun and exciting world to be a part of and to be able to kind of give back to my sport in a lot of ways. Quick summary of my portfolio as of late, I did the... Uh, Los Angeles Chargers jersey that came out uh, last year in 2020. Uh, I had the opportunity to be a part of the team and kind of help spearhead the Ohana jersey that Oregon wore this year. I've had the opportunity to work with several other different college and professional clubs across the NCAA and not just football, but basketball as well. And it's been quite the amazing journey, to say the least. I had the privilege of, I got back-to-back uni swag uniform of the year awards because i got tcu from last year i did their whole or i guess year before i did their whole redesign and they had the year the frog that purple gray red uniform that feels great like toronto raptors and then this year with the ohana jersey been racking up the the personal achievement awards and setting the space so that's been really fun so I'm kind of interested, like, did your interest in designing uniforms peak, like, once you started to wear a different uniform uh, every week at Oregon? Like, what kind of got you interested? You know, it's actually a funny story. I would say definitely at the University of Oregon was, like, major influence towards me going towards uniforms. But as a product designer, I was much more into kind of, like, the science of it. So it was a lot of, like, innovation and testing out as far as the core wear test groups that we had at the university. We're testing out like different sets of fabrics and materials and cleats. And, you know, since Nike is like right up the highway from jeans, we pretty good partnership as far as like, hey, put this thing on, wear it out until it breaks. Let us know what you think of it. And so being a part of that process really definitely got my mind working as far as like how to improve the game and improve sport. And I think that's a lot of what Nike is about at the core is innovating and making great products. So from that standpoint, I kind of seemed like I was just a shoe-in as far as continuing to, to build awesome stuff for the future. And I have a skill set that I think lends itself towards, you know, those unique insights that you get from being in the game and wearing a product mm-hmm. and then actually just having the design skills to communicate and articulate like how to build and create the new that just continues to enhance that expression. So when you were working on the Oregon Ohana jersey, how long did that process take? How long of a process is this to like think of the entire jersey for each school because obviously you know each school has different colors they have different like you said like different fabrics and stuff oh yeah without a doubt i would say each you could think of each jersey as like designing a brand new car 
So it's about a year and a half, two year process of going out, meeting with the team, talking to all the key stakeholders, sitting down, making sure the story and everything and the designs are right. And then after several months of the design process going back and forth and refining and articulating like just visually what we're going to get after and kind of like what's the story then we actually go back to our factory partners and you know start iterating and making the thing physically in hand and so after after we kind of like fully get the jersey baked and everything and we have the garments in hand that you could actually put in front of the team and be like all right this is the thing set it out on the table like that's the the big first step to it actually becoming real and then from then on you know you got promo and product release and i'm sure you've seen on the internet everywhere everyone tries to do their own um little take on advertising and do like a full uniform release video whether you're releasing it in a video game or doing shots in the, the campus parking lot this that and the other until it finally debuts on game day and you're seeing it in living color thanks for kind of providing a little glimpse of what you do uh now uh with nike kind of transitioning to your football career at oregon before you came to oregon you grew up in nebraska you uh you can correct me you went to omaha central high school that is correct yeah so eagles yeah, so kind of just tell us about kind of your your football career when you were in grade school and high school, and maybe like how did Oregon end up recruiting you? Man, you wanted me to go deep, like all the way back to Pop Warner days. <laughs> I, I first started playing football when I was nine years old, which is very traditional in a state like Nebraska, where everyone grows up wanting to be a Cornhusker, and the big red end is everywhere. That is the college team. That is the professional team. That is the only team that matters in Nebraska. And uh, <laughs> and everybody runs the the wing tee and the option still to this day, I'm sure. <laughs> and it's all about downhill hard knows, run the ball football. That's, that's what I grew up on is playing, playing against big old corn fed boys. And when I first started at nine, I played up. Uh, so everyone else I played with was like 11 and 12. And that was a very exciting way to like get broken into the sport. Cause I was literally like, I was a bigger kid, but I was also very much like smaller than everyone else because the, the difference in age started to show for sure right off the bat. But, um, I definitely would say I had all the makings of like what goes into a great football player. You like contact, really competitive, and uh, don't like to lose. And so I think like that definitely helped me fall in love with sport. Uh, my father, uh, he was a coach, so he coached me up from when I was really young all the way up actually through into high school. I played really a little bit of everything, running back, receiver, quarterback. And I really got into quarterback probably about eighth grade was when I started playing quarterback full time. And I knew I was pretty good because I was like, you know, going through the, the eighth grade sort of Pop Warner League. And we were probably averaging like four or five touchdowns a game. And I would usually have about two or three through the air and two on my feet. So I was like juggernaut 
powerhouse going into high school. My freshman year in high school, I went to the school at a completely different school called Miller North. And Miller North is like the, the powerhouse of the state. I don't know if you remember this guy named Eric Crouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we remember Eric Crouch. <laughs> yeah, so he was like the golden boy um, of Miller North. He went to high school there. He graduated probably like a couple years before um, I ended up going there. But he actually come back and train there while I was working out there at the beginning of being a quarterback. And they ran the triple option, just like you could imagine. And they were kind of like one of the, the farm schools towards building kids towards Nebraska. But anyway, um, my, my true freshman year, they won state that year in Nebraska. They went undefeated. Uh, was it like 14, 16 and 0, whatever it is. And I think we had probably like three or four kids cost that team, um, go D1. Uh, I met probably some names that you guys actually know of. I don't know if you guys knew Corey Young. He went to play running back on Nebraska. Paul Homer actually went to UW out of Nebraska, or out of Omaha, out to Washington. And then uh, Jeff Tarpinian, who I think he had a decent career in NFL too also. He went to Iowa, and he was the, he was the starting quarterback that year when I was on the freshman team being the starting quarterback. But um, me knowing that I actually wanted to play quarterback at the next level in college, I ended up transferring schools to Omaha Central. They hadn't won a state championship in 20 years, and uh, it just seemed like a good place to have a fresh start. Definitely throwing the ball and slinging it through the air and get away from you know just the kind of offensive style that I don't think would have benefited me towards playing quarterback at the next level. But uh, in going there, uh, I ended up having to sit out for my sophomore year and only play JV ball because just due to transfer rules, they wouldn't let me play right away. So that was a bit of a conundrum. And then my junior year, we ended up taking that team to the state championship against Miller North and winning the whole thing for the first time in 20 years. That's, that's like the lead up into my senior year where I'm starting to get phone calls and get recruited by, uh, like I talked to Herbert Meyer and Dan Mullen and all these guys that are like actively in the hunt where I was like, yeah, I'm about to go to one. I'm getting the letters coming in every single day. I have my mailbox in school. I just need to get that first one to finally crack and, you know, be able to get after it. And that that junior year that we ended up going to state, I was splitting time at quarterback with the guy who was the three-year starter, and it was like a senior year going in. And so towards the end of that year, I ended up moving full-time to receiver to, um, you know, just help our team win and get all the talent on the field and maybe that was like a you know an omen of a prequel to what my later feature would end up being but you know i think success abounds when you do the right thing especially when you go out and um, are able to support your team i'm interested from from nebraska like going to a pac-12 school sophomore year that year that i ended up not being able to play varsity i went to a camp in oregon and I got to go to camp at Oregon State and um, down in Eugene. So I, I went to Beavers camp and I went to Ducks camp because my uncle is Harold Runnell. And he's born and raised in Corvallis. He's like, you got to come out to Oregon. got to give him a shot. I know once they see you, like, you're tasing everything. you doing out here. You're like, you're the next Dennis Dixon. I know you are. Like, <laughs> just get out here and then they'll see it. And... 
maybe you'll get your first offer. So I went out there, I totally like tore the camp up. But you know, since I was 16 years old, they were like, all right, we're going to keep tabs on We'll keep watching. They're like, we just want to see a little bit more tape. You come out these first couple games and you do the numbers that we think you're going to do. Like, we guarantee your offers are going to start flooding in and people are going to be jockeying for who's going to be, who's going to land you. And so it's the third game, no, second game of the season, second play of the game. I'm rolling out to the left, and it's like a quick little, you know, fake handoff, bootleg rollout. I got stack levels. I'm high-low in the corner, looking to the outside. You know, I have a, I have a decent O-line, but we're playing against Burke High School, and I'm pretty sure, uh, I hope I can remember his name. I think his name is Eric Cummings. Anyways, he's a huge he D-tackle, and I know he's committed to Missouri at the time, and he comes screaming through the line. I jump it off to my fullback, knowing I'm about to get crushed. He makes extreme contact to my chest, shoulder. I fall on my shoulder. He falls on top of me, easily over seven pounds of pressure, and that's all it takes to break a collarbone. And I got to get up. My arm is on fire. My throwing arm is on fire. So, you know, I can't think about that. I'm thinking, like, I got to go out and I got to make these plays. I got to get these touchdowns. I got to get staff so that I can get my scholarship, so that I can get up out of Nebraska or, you know, get my future taken care of, right? By some miracle, I go and finish the first half of that game. And I throw two more touchdown passes in the first half of that game. My arm is, like, hanging by my side. We go in at halftime, check the trainers. They're, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, what's wrong? We obviously see that, like, your arm is dangling. You don't want anybody to touch it, but you're still been able to move it. They do this tuning fork test where usually if you've broken a bone, they take a tuning fork, they knock it on the ground, do a little hump, and they put it on your, your bones. And the reverberation of that, if your bone is broken, you'll scream bloody murder because it, like, shocks the nerves and, like, it just sends a big shooting, burning pain into your arm. But if it doesn't, then usually that means like you're okay, or maybe there's whatever type of damage there isn't like severely significant. So they do that test, and even though my arm is completely hanging by my side, they do that, and I don't win. And I'm totally like, all right, I'm good. That that should work. Looking at me, and they're like, you know, this doesn't really seem right. Like even if we know how you're dangling your arm and everything like something about it still doesn't seem right so i go back in there and i run a couple other plays and then i eventually I'm like i got the tap like i can't build this in my arm i know i can't feel it i took as many as you're allowed to take I, i'm probably gonna have to be done for the night and so we ended up losing the game i left like shortly after the start of the third quarter and up going to the hospital, and that's when the doctor says, I'm sorry, son, your collarbone's broken, your season's over. I have no offers, nothing on the table. The phone completely stopped ringing. All the coaches I was talking to, nobody's calling back, nobody's texting anymore, nothing. Came back, like, close to the end of the season, did some juicing numbers by then, it was kind of, like, too little, too late. We didn't even make it to the playoffs. I got a bunch of honorable mentions, honor, honorable awards, for my effort in coming back, I think I put together like 700 yards in two games, and like my last two games, and that was the end of 
my senior year. So returning returning state champs don't even make it to the playoffs next year. And I don't have a D one offer. You know, I'm still very much injured and recovering from my collarbone. I'm just thinking like, wow, this is this is it. That was that was football for me. That was everything. I remember, you know, probably like uh, I had like D one double offers that were still on the table. I was like, you know what, maybe there's something there. But honestly, I felt like I had nothing. And uh, it was the week before signing day. So, like, basketball, everything, like, school was already on the other end. You know, signing day was, like, in springtime. And I just remember, you know, getting on my knees, praying, saying, if this is really how my life is meant to go, like, just give me the strength to be able to, like, go through with joy and just be able to handle you know, being committed to, like, this day of my life. And then shortly after that, I get a phone call from a number that I don't recognize, the name that I surely do, and it's Scott Frost. He's like, hey, I'm Scott Frost, University of Oregon. Um, we want to offer you a full-ride scholarship to come play quarterback here in Eugene for the Ducks. I told him about them. I told him about you. He had just joined the team after just so happened to being on the same plane as Chip Kelly. And Chip was like, I'm looking to build a team. I need some coaches to come in. We know that you're doing big things at Northern Iowa. We'd love for you to come join us here. And he's like, great. And I got this kid named Daryl Hawkins. You definitely have. If you haven't heard of him, you guys got to give him a chance. Because I think he's just a great program guy. Excellent character. And, I mean, just to show you how bad this kid wants to play football, played him a game with a broken collarbone and still able to gut it out and get points on the board. He's the kind of kid that you definitely want to have on the team. And so, man, when I tell you that when I got this phone call, I tried to play it off cool, like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll check and see my options, whatever. But when I hung up, I about threw that phone through the wall. Are you kidding me? Going to the West Coast, University of Oregon, this is my only D1 offer. Everybody left me, not even my own home state. Call me back. I am 100% committed. I will be there in the summer. And, you know, just from there, that's like when my journey really started, honestly. You want to talk about exponential experience. I mean, my my era at the University of Oregon was might be one of the more dramatic four-year changes in the history of the program. It, it was literally Chip's first year to mm-hmm. his last year. You know, in coaching, we went from, you know, we didn't have all the fancy facilities that you see there. Like, I remember having training table and study hall and all that stuff in the basement of Matt Court, which is the super old basketball arena. And there's, like, rats and stuff in there. And they just had old popcorn smell all the time from all the popcorn that you have in there. And that's where we had study hall, like, in the basement of that place where nobody wanted to be. And it was like, this is all that we have, but we're gonna we're gonna do some nice things for the program, hopefully in the future, as as they built the Jake List Center and then, you know, added on to the Shosky and the Hatland Downfield complex and all that type of stuff. All that was literally built in the four to five year span that I was there. Wow. Daryl, that was a lot of information. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um that was quite a roller coaster of a journey just in high school, just for you to get to Oregon. Adam, I know 
he had a couple questions for sure. He was definitely going to ask you just about like your Oregon tenure. Yeah, I mean, from there, I mean, can you go into detail about the process of switching from wanting to be quarterback to being a wide receiver and how that played out? Yeah, when I first um, set foot on campus, they're like, you know, we have you down as an athlete, you know, to be a dual sport, multi-sport, whatever, but you know, right now we're telling you you're competing to be a quarterback. Like, that's what you are. We have you here to do is come in and play quarterback. The year before, you know, it was Jeremiah's first year kind of like actually being the starter, but before Jeremiah, like, they had five quarterbacks on rotation. So I was like, I'm going to play this year. Let's go. You know, I think even in, even in the two days and coming in to try and, like, get after it, uh, I definitely impressed the coaches for sure. You know, we had a pretty solid set of freshmen coming in, our freshman team at quarterback, uh, you know, in all our little, like, scrimmages and tournaments and stuff like that. I definitely impressed as far as, you know, getting the ball into the end zone, that's for sure. Flung my fair share of touchdowns, but also got pretty good level of getting chewed out by Chipper in my ear. The level of color that Chip has in coaching you, but also getting you motivated is enough for you know, a, a private memoir that I'll, maybe I'll write one day. Huh. <laughs> just, just the beauty of his uh, Northeastern swagger. But my freshman year, actually, you know, they decided I was going to redshirt. Me and Jared Thomas were actually redshirting at the same time. And Jeremiah was the starter. Acoff was backup. But from early on in the season, they're like, look, if anything happens, we're going to bring your redshirt and you're going to play. You need to be ready to come in and play. You know, I was dual threat quarterback. I was running the spread option swinging it, doing the whole thing. So I was very much like young gun, ready to go. Like, all right, whenever you throw me in, then I'm ready. So I think it was the, it was the week before the UCLA game, um, Jeremiah hurt his knee. And they're like, all right, Bill, it's your moment. You're flying down with us to UCLA. And we want you, like, you need to be ready because if things aren't going hot, like we expect them to be, then we're burning your red shirt you're playing. I was like, let's go. I mean, we fly all the way down, and we're playing the Rose Bowl, which, I mean, you know, that's, that's where the, it's the Rose Bowl, you know, like, that's the, the TV game. So, it might happen. And, you know, Nate was definitely playing tough, but they were, they were giving us a run for our money. UCLA was definitely scrappy back then, for sure. And I remember Chip specifically came, grabbed me by the face mask, and he says, we don't start a touchdown the first drive that we get out there. I'm putting you in. And I was like, oh my God. Yes. You know what happened? Opening kickoff, we received the ball uh, to start the second half of that game. Kano Barnett catches the ball and takes it 86, 90 something yards all the way to the house. I'm super hyped, but I'm also so pissed off. Like, oh my gosh, Kano, are you kidding me? Like, yes, thank goodness we're, we got points on the board and we're moving the ball. Jackson, he gets a pick six on an overthrown hitch, and then I throw my helmet. I'm like, well, there goes my shot at finally getting in this game, getting ready to take the whole thing over. So, long story short, if 
Dubois had bounced a different way. Kenyon gets tripped up and <laughs> doesn't make another highlight real run like he was <laughs> going to do for the long eternity that his career has been. I might have had a moment where I would have been the guy. But, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I know. The, the thing, the butterfly effect, is things that could change the, the course of the program. Right. But I'm super happy. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about getting the win. And as much selfishly I could say, like, I wanted to get my shot, uh, I think I would definitely keep the success of the team over the success of myself any day. Man, Daryl, you're coming out with some great stories here, man. Oh, I got some good ones. <laughs> you're coming in <laughs> hot. Um, um, so that Chip Kelly uh, was probably you know the best four-year run that Oregon's had uh, in the football program, just constantly you know winning ten games, winning eleven games, competing for conference championships, BCS bowls, and obviously you know you started off right off the bat. You know the 2009 season, that season that you just were referring to. Made the Rose Bowl for the first time since 95 uh, or 94. And then the next year, played in the national championship game in 2010. Yeah. I'm curious about your thoughts on, like, like how did it feel first off? You said, like, you were dreaming of playing the Rose Bowl. You played in the Rose Bowl again against Ohio State. Tell Adam and I, like, what your emotions were like going into that game and then obviously going into the uh, national championship or just that, or that just that entire 2010 season. Well, I mean – Shoot, man. Like, that was such a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, even the 2009 season, to get to the Rose Bowl and play Terrell Pryor and that Ohio State team. Like, honestly, so my first, the first game was Boise State where the Garrett punches that guy in the face. <laughs> and as a freshman, I'm like, well, that's not supposed to happen. And I was on TV everywhere. Like, is our season going to I'm not even going to be allowed to go to school here anymore. Like, is the program going to get shut down? Like, that's, you know, that's the stuff that I was thinking going through my mind. Like, oh, man, what did I get in? Now my parents are calling me up. Like, what are they teaching you out there? Before punching people? I was like, you know, this is going to be an interesting four years. And, well, it definitely didn't disappoint, that's for sure. From, from that moment, we trended in, like, the absolute right direction. Because, you know, to go... Fast forward to the next year, where we go 12-0 and through the regular season. I mean, that was like a Cinderella type of run. And I think that's really when we kind of put ourselves on the map. Like, in 2009, we had marquee games. We smacked Cal 48-3, and that was when Cal was ranked number three in the nation. And everyone was like, whoa, what just happened out in Eugene? And that started, like, the new precedent of, you know, if we only score 35 points in a game, like, that's a low-scoring game for Oregon. And that became, like, the standard. So, from there, the start of that 2010 season, I actually got a decent amount of playing time, like, quality minutes. And because Soli ended up not being on the team anymore and transferring to Ole Miss, and then Darren Thomas became the guy, uh, I ended up becoming the slash. And that's where I started doing a little bit of everything. I was like, all right, well, I can still definitely give this game. I started playing running back, receiver, and quarterback. I was probably like the second and third string backup at like all four different positions at one point in time. And because of I got like a decent amount of time on the field, which was awesome. And so I think, you know, I definitely I had touchdowns like probably in the first couple games outside of what was it? <sighs> yeah. 
I, I touched on this, I think the first three games, and I ended up spraining my knee in the Portland State game where I got player of the game. So I went, I caught a pass at running back, and then I ran one in at quarterback, and I had like decent chunky yardage and stuff. But, um, you know, I had sprained my knee, had to sit out for a couple weeks, and you know, once the, once the flow and the mojo, everything gets going, everyone's like, don't touch it, don't, don't change the lineup, don't move everything. And, you know, that's when we kind of went on like run, undefeated all the way up to the national championship. And of course, like that was also such a crazy year because we're doing our on the West Coast. Then you're watching Cam Newton and do his crazy star, uh, you know, college season where he's like dunking on people. You're like, who's this six six dude just running over people? Like that was kind of, you know, you had Vince Young before that, but you didn't really have like quarterbacks that were that big and that fast running the ball prior to that point. Like that was the first time like you had like a Donovan McNabb, Dante Culpepper running like a true dual threat just like everything into the end zone. That was definitely the matchup that I think everybody wanted to see at the end of the year. And of course like you gotta sit through the, the painful moments of the BCS. Like I think that's the hard part watching now is like, man, if we had CFP back when we were playing those four years, we would have been in it every year. And I think there were a couple of those years we would have won. I mean, especially the year that we had to play in K State and right. back then pretty good. It's like, man, we I felt like we should have played Bama and I think could have would've should have. Is what it is. <laughs> I wouldn't change it. Man, to say that like we went undefeated to the national championship and I look at that team and how many guys like on their side and on our side that went to the NFL, I mean we have like a super stacked team, you know? Like we have Lil Michael James, Kenyon Barnett, Darren Thomas and, you know, all the people on defense that we had that like were gonna go be superstars like Spencer Pacinger, Kiko Alonzo and you know, Deion Jordan, like we were putting guys into the NFL like it was our job, you know? So I'm I'm super proud of all my teammates that like from that year went on to go like make sure they got paid at the next level, that's for sure. I know the twenty thirteen season, which was your senior season, you had you know, twenty three catches, uh just almost four hundred yards. You had three hundred and fifty receiving yards, three touchdowns. It, it felt like your junior and senior season was really when you kind of were putting it all together individually. Can you just go in a little bit of a detail about just how it felt redshirting and then going through the grind of playing multiple positions, but then once that fourth or fifth year came around, you delivered? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, first of all, like to get any kind of yards and stats on that team, I was extremely grateful because first of all, like just, you, you think about what our backfield looked like at that time that I was there. To be able to be, like, in the in the top, like, producers of any type of, like, offensive stat on that team, we had Anthony Thomas, Marcus Mariota, you know, Byron Marshall, Trey Carson, Thomas Tyner, Josh Huff, Colt Laerla, Keenan Lowe, you know, like, all these dudes I am competing to get like, if I'm getting a catch, it's somebody else is not getting the ball. And those are, you know, we had eight dudes that easily could take the ball all the way to the end zone at any point in time on the field, right? 
So I was just extremely grateful in a lot of ways to be able to like, if I get the ball, I need to score and get as many yards as I can because honestly, every time we were out there, it was a track race. It was like, all right, we got essentially 60 plays on offense total. You know, we're going to run the ball X amount of times. And then as a receiver, it's like, all right, we're going to put the ball up in the air maybe 20 to 30 times. You might, if you get the ball two or three times, you got to take that to the house. That may be the only time you see it because, you know, all it takes is five catches and then we're all sitting on the bench at halftime because we're up by too much. So I think that was one of like the crazier parts of the whole experience, I think, was probably like, as much as I love playing, I think half my career, we were already, and when I was started starting, like we were done by the majority of my game. You know what I mean? Like we were up 42 points in the first half, <laughs> pretty consistently through my junior and senior year. So I didn't, we didn't have to play like a full game of football, maybe more than like three or three games a year. Like we were playing USC, Stanford, or the bowl game, you know? So, yeah, I think, like, that, I don't know, I'm just very grateful <laughs> for the opportunity that, that I got because I just know, like, how challenging and difficult it is to get those opportunities. And love my man Marcus for feeding me the rock so many times. I think we had really good chemistry, which is probably why he had to come back to do his pro day for him back once upon a time when he was getting ready to, to go to the league and everything. You know, I look at, like, those last two years that we had or at least two that I have, and I honestly think, like, those were some of the more, like, physically gifted teams that we had. Braylon Addison on the squad as well, my mm-hmm. senior year. Uh, I think I said Byron Marshall, all those young guys that ended up being superstars that next year going to the national championship, like, you know, those those were all my, my little young dudes I was helping raising up. Like, I remember Dwayne, you said you interviewed him earlier. He, uh, he was actually my roommate when we were at the Fiesta Bowl, however long ago. I think he was in shirt and stuff. You know, I, I remember him being my young freshman and then going from him to being the, the vet and doing everything. is was just crazy to me. Yeah. Adam, do you, I know that you there's a couple more things that you were, like, wanting to ask him before we started. We've, we've covered the careers so of looking back. Is there is there one one play that you made that is most memorable to you, either catch or run, or even a moment you saw when you were on the field that's memorable to you? Oh my goodness. I mean, shoot, I, this is a tough one because we've had so many memorable moments. I mean, not just only like from four and me playing type moments, but then also like just the impact I think our team had on the game culturally. I mean, you know, we had everything from the speed and everyone was like, no one played this fast before the first time people started injuries and stuff. Like that was wild. You know, we busted out the chrome helmets at the Rose Bowl. Everyone went crazy on that. We put like 60, 70 points up in the Coliseum and no one had ever scored that many points in the history of like USC. (laughs) And we did it to, you know, shut the lights out on them at home. That was against, you know, like Matt Barkley and Robert Woods and Nelson Aguilar and all the stable issues that they had going there. One of the most meaningful moments for me when I was playing, uh, I think of 
the, the Civil War, which this is so this is so totally cliche because I definitely was one of those guys who's like Oregon State little brother. <laughs> like we got so many other dudes on the schedule. Like, is this still even a rivalry at this point? <laughs> then by 2013, sure enough. You know, they had that guy, Brandon Cook. He's pretty good. <laughs> and they had, like, a couple other different guys strong on that team. They gave us a run for our money. I remember we were down. It was our last drive that we got a chance on offense. And there's, I want to say probably like a minute 30 left. You know, where this is Helfrich's first year as head coach. And it's just totally one of those moments where, like, it's senior night. This is it. The lights are on. And I'm looking at all my guys in the face. I'm like, this is the last game that we're playing in Austin Stadium all together. Me, Josh Huff, we play with Marcus, Keenan, you know, all those guys. And we're down. And this is the moment for the offense to step on the field and take it all the way down and score to, to win the game. It's like, we either score on this drive or we lose the game. That's it. There is there is no other way. And we start that drive off and just, just even going into that, I'll, I'll give you some behind the scenes. Like, I've been having to get my knee drained like every single week um, just to kind of like help maintenance it because it keeps on filling up with fluid. So I already know like I'm probably going to have to get certain season to help like repair my meniscus and everything. But I got my knee brace on because it's senior night, and we're literally like, this is everything on the line. So, after already, like, battling and going through it the whole game, getting my catches in, there is no other, like, this is your your career is coming down to this. Maybe the last game that you play, which it ended up being the last game that I got to play. And that final drive, you know, to kind of, like, get things going, we get down to either, like, a second and long or a third and long and we're getting ready to to like stagger or to like shovel down and dive and get past um, you know the halfway point like we need to jump start to get this drive going and I remember the play like it was yesterday I'm on the, the bottom right hash like just outside the numbers we're doing like a super easy drive concept Josh runs vertical I come in do a quick dig pattern right across the field like 10, 15 yards, it's a deep one, and I've got to cut, like, on my bad knee and everything. And Marcus fires the laser, and I catch it, get smacked, and that's what gets the, the drive going for us to go down and some points on the board. And from there, like, just that little 15-yard play, we got the first first that drive. They could not stop us from there. Like, hammer here, little dink and dunk to the left, and the throw, and the situation point on the, that drive is the the touchdown slant that throwing to Josh to steal the game and everything. I, I just don't think not everybody gets that kind of experience of like every game matters. Like your last game matters. Like this is against the the rivalry, you know, even though like our season hadn't gone how we expected it to, we've been undefeated at at that point and then getting ready to go to national championships. Like pride was on the line, and to be able to go out and run the double slam, part of me was pissed off that he threw it to Josh. Cause I was like, I was open to, but you know what? I, uh, I mean, Josh deserved it just as much as I did. So I was definitely super high. Caught the ball, 
we scored, defense holds them, and just like picture perfect, we were able to win that game. Going down to Texas, you know, win the Alamo Bowl and all that. I mean, as much as I want to say, like, we wanted to be in the national championship, and I know that team was definitely talented enough to do that caliber of competing. I think, you know, I'm 100% proud of the moments that I got to share with my teammates. And, you know, however that crazy ball bounces, I don't really know where it's going to go. But that's like, that's the fun of the game. The last, I think the last one I got, we asked this question to everybody who comes on, but I feel like your opinion has a little more his favorite uniform combination in Oregon. Oh my goodness. Okay. My favorite uniform combination might have to be the Stormtrooper. It's got the first time we wore the white with the chrome wing in LA. And, you know, we have Storm LA t shirts, and folks were wearing it where you have like the white chrome helmet on the front of the shirt. Like, that was the first time we really, like, went down, and it felt like we were a force. Like, a, a true presence of, like, we widened out the Coliseum. You know, USC's, like, all red, and they're definitely super hyped and everything. But to, to go out that in that uniform, which is super-duper icy, you know, only, like, not a, nobody could do the Stormtrooper look like how we could do a Stormtrooper look with the chrome wing and everything on the helmet. Like, it was just so impactfully clean. And then to go out and then play a game like that where you score 60-plus points, I definitely got a touchdown in on there. I made, like, super clutch fourth catch and everything. Like, that entire experience of that game, playing in that game, wearing that uniform, and then that, like happened makes that one of my favorite uniforms and like sport moments of all time by far that's the game that Kenyon barner went off right because you're talking yeah 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 Kenyon yeah. barner went yeah. Right. Yeah, for 360. <laughs> and do you still have that jersey um actually i think i might yeah somewhere i mean if i don't have it they have it waiting for me like in somewhere at in jeans out of all the jerseys that you wore on the field in your playing days like how many did you get to keep when you graduated and how many like were you not allowed to keep? Like I'm always curious about that. Uh, how many do I get to keep? Well they they give you one and then beyond that, you know, you're able to inside and then pick up as many that you need. But they always you know, hold they hold on to onto them for you until you're ready. I mean you can grab like as many as you want. Like I'm pretty close to the guys down there, so like they don't, they don't necessarily auction them all off like everyone thinks they do. Like the when they get auctioned off, it's just because somebody bought them and then sold it off later. One that I have framed actually, and like you know, it sits up on top, is the yellow jersey when we played Tennessee my senior year. And then I also have like all my bowl game jerseys. So I got like the Alamo jersey. I got the Rose Bowl from the, with the Chrome Helmets jersey. Have the Fiesta Bowl, Fiesta Bowl jersey. So I got like the the white one with the chrome and apple wings, and then I have the um, first Fiesta Bowl that we went to with the bowl. And like it's it's the white and bowl, and we have that like face layer and everything. And uh, you know that first Rose Bowl, 
the old fur green jersey as well. So I got a decent collection of jerseys like posted up at my mom's house right now. Mine's that I need to, I need to get them framed up in my office. Man, you know that 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 Volt jersey like is bringing back memories though, because like as a middle schooler. Like when I was watching that on TV, that got me so hyped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we're showing. Now, now you're realizing uh, how how young Adam and I are. <laughs> I mean, it, it's memories that we all got to share together. I am super grateful that I got to be on the field and be a part of the blood, sweat, and tears that helped make those memories. But I mean, I I've definitely still super connected to all the fans because. Those are moments that we all got to share together. Like, I I was out there with you guys watching Kenyon Barter and Michael do all the crazy stuff that they did. Marcus become the superstar phenom that he is, and you know it's a to be able to witness all that together, and you know all the hard work and the effort. Like, it's an experience that we all get to share. So it's, I'm just ex- extremely grateful. Mm-hmm. We really do appreciate you taking the time uh, tonight and to just talk about. I mean, you you, pro, you provide a lot of information, man. I mean, you came in hot with your your story about playing high school, um, your career now, dealing with the working with all these different uniforms and Nike, and then carrying that all uh, over to your playing career. We really do appreciate you going on a great. I mean, it was story after story. Uh, but we, we appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Awesome. You guys have an excellent day, evening. Good luck on the podcast, gentlemen. Um, I hope your viewers love this and feel encouraged. Um, you know, feel free to look me up on social media, dhawk 16 or also go on the website, com. You know, I've, try and get back whenever I can as far as, you know, I do a lot of design stuff, um, freelance-wise as well as, you know, sport design. And, um, uh, it's, it's an honor and privilege to be a part of the, the working force now and, like, help so many people when it comes to the business and apparel graphics and, you know, people starting different brands and, you know, the whole e-commerce movement. Uh, it's a it's a whole new form of competition now. Honestly, that mm-hmm. I'm very much enjoying stepping into you know life as a designer, ex athlete, but you know lifetime competitor. So thank you guys for the the privilege and the honor of being able to to share these moments with you. Yeah, man, we we enjoy you uh, taking the time.